0: Well, it's the dynamic, you know when we back again. I'm the backup DJ, you better pack in, you lacking sense. Trying to tangle with us, group of a big We're in the back of the bus to smack hurry, you. Want. we want. Steal with back. your lunch, money just search, ready to feel it oh just a touch. By the end of the day,
1: that's understandable. What can I say? We got a strong man to
0: <laughs> a a tool,
1: man. has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. He still doesn't know. The guy who was my optometrist for a lot of years before I had my laser surgery was like, we became friends over time, and the tone of the um, examinations got a little bit different over the 20-year relationship or whatever it was. Fuck, you're blind! Can't believe you're still fucking blind. What are you going to get Stop less
0: blind? masturbating, for fuck's <laughs> sake! You dirty, uh, dirty man!
1: The funniest one was after I got my laser surgery, and he said, "Oh, I'll come in, and i will you know, I'll have a look at the, the like, have a look at the cuts and stuff to make sure that it was a good job, see if everything's okay." And he had a look, and he's like, "Fuck, that's some good surgery." He's like, "If I didn't know what I was looking for, you'd barely see the there was cuts there at all." He said, oh, you know, any other problems? I said, oh, when I drive at night, I get these little like um, sort of coronas around the, you know, little flares around the lights, you know, the, the street lights and bright Corundas, lights. And said, oh. You shouldn't be
0: drinking those Mexican beers while you're driving, man.
1: And he starts laughing. Drinks. And I said, what are you laughing for? And he's like, mate, they've always been there. You've just been too blind to see them. It's
0: like, okay, well, that's good. It's good to have an optometrist who has the, has the general energy of a, of a mechanic from a, a dealership that you trust.
1: Yeah. So some basketball has happened since last time we were here.
0: I suppose it has. Quite a lot of basketball has happened in rural California. The Kangs have not it's, lost it's a game a- since we spoke.
1: It's a little bit weird that everyone's optimistic about the Kings and everyone's pessimistic about the Warriors. It's not where I expected to be at this, this well, stage of the season.
0: The Warriors have now lost eight road games on the row. Mm. They've uh, designated Wiseman for assignment, as they say in baseball parlance. They've sent him down to the minors, uh, which is which is probably fair enough because the the lad was incredibly raw when they yeah, when needs, they picked him. Um, Need just to get reps. But- does make you think though? They could have got. They might, they might have got um, – they, they picked behind Minnesota, didn't they?
1: Yeah, but they could have got Lamelo.
0: Yeah. I suppose they, they, they – and Edwards who, would have been wonderful. Did,
1: well, Lomelo would have fitted in really well with them, but he's not – those kids seem to be a little bit fragile. Like, both of them are sustaining long chunks of time out with injury –
0: Fragile Balls. The balls were hurt easily. (laughs)
1: Fragile Balls, there's
0: your your show title. Balls podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fragile Balls. We Um, are
0: juvenile. We should know better. But
1: but obviously, we don't. Um, You know, this desire to be the next Spurs and have this generation, you know, double generation of winning...
0: His desire to have, to have the now might, and have the future means that they kind of have neither right at the moment. Might have it's been a bit arrogant. It's super fucking early, disclaimer, asterisk, all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. But you can only call it as you see it. And right now, it, lo- it looks like they're stuck somewhere in the middle. But it
1: wasn't that the front office didn't get lauded last year for the young guys. They got lauded for putting people like-
0: Otto Porter. Um, Otto
1: Porter and-
0: GP2. Um,
1: Yeah, like, those guys are, like, really solid, smart role players around what looks like an even better Steph Curry this year. Like, the dude has just been, you know, shooting lightning bolts out of his eyeballs, and it's made no difference at all because the rest of his team sucks.
0: Well, Clay Um, is having an extremely bad time.
1: Yeah, and they probably should have expected that. Like, evidently he was getting post-traumatic stress from, like, Normally, he would go and play pickup, right, to to get into shape uh, for the season, you know, sort of game shape. And a few people offered for him to go to pickup games, and he's like, actually, I really don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to go back into that environment when I'm just getting my career back on track, um, which is completely understandable. Yeah. But it's it's funny how all those little things that contribute to being a professional NBA player, like, uh, you know, Anthony Edwards not being fit to start the season. Like, these little things just you wouldn't think that they were much, but they seem to make a massive difference.
0: Anthony Anthony Edwards is on that kind of James Harden Rockets era kind yep. of uh fitness regime, i.e., go to a lot of strip clubs and eat a lot of wings and come back and then play yourself into shape. See also Luka Doncic every year before before this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he, he might be the one player where the NBA franchise is like, no, no, come play for your national side, dude. This <laughs> just saves us trying to badge you to do a preseason. Um, I, the, the, the funny thing about Edwards, right, is I th- the increasing professionalism of the youth coming through the NBA. Like you're seeing more and more rookies impact in a genuine way than you ever have before. And I think it's... It's some of it is literally because the stupid shit that young kids used to do, like you know, hey, I've got a paycheck, I'm, paycheck, I'm going to go and <laughs> go to go out and eat lots of wings and
0: buy a chain yeah. that you could use to tie up an extremely large dog.
1: Yeah. Um, whereas you know, you look at uh, Jarmerant or even some you know Ben Caro or, or uh, Scotty Barnes from last year, and they're just like no, no, my NBA career is not necessarily that long. I'm going to maximise every chance I have of being really good from the start. You know, I'm not going to waste a couple of years just fucking around. Uh,
0: Which is also why they're not going to college.
1: Yeah, increasingly. Like, Mm. the top five players in, like, the ones that everyone's talking about are not anywhere near a college team. Yeah. Um, You know, you're sort of getting weekly reports from – the, the French National League, um, where like he really is. I I hope he doesn't have that big guy injury curse because yeah. he's a, he's a cool player to watch. I have to say when when you're doing like floaters from just inside the three point line, like Curry does from the you know from the free throw line, and he's doing it all the way out, and yeah. it looks just so natural. It just it looks like a an NBA game. Scaled up in Photoshop, it's just so hilarious. Um, yeah, I, I'm sort of hoping that he he does become what he is showing the potential of because it it just would be enormous fun to watch. I think.
0: Yeah, we could all. Chill on the uh, the expectations, though. I feel like this has been my consistent point. There was, I think, Bobby Marks was quoted in an ESPN podcast this week, sort of saying something on the lines of uh, the Lakers you must you really it- re- regret winning that ship because it's made them, you know, it means they've missed out on a chance of Weber and Yama. Yeah, that, that, that 14% chance at a guy who might yeah. turn out to be great.
1: That's just stupid.
0: It, it's just the, the the whole fucking draft industry. Uh, information industry is correctness and it's just g- genuinely basically astrology for basketball
1: Rob Mahoney had a really good take on this about the jazz this week he was sort of like the the draft l- lottery odds are so skinny now that if you've got if you've got a chance to set a culture within a season even though it's going to severely limit your draft odds, that might have a better long-term effect on your franchise than throwing everything into the toilet to um, you know, to have a four like you said, it's a fourteen percent chance. Yeah. It's not that big a chance.
0: Um, and w- what is the experience of the Sixers taught us? No matter, even if you draft the guys, the culture that you embed in your in your players from all that losing affects people's fucking brains. People don't come out the same fucking way.
1: It, uh, the, it was interesting the OKC win against Washington this week because uh their coach, who I can never pronounce his name, um benched Giddy and Poku in the third quarter because they weren't having very good games. Oh,
0: no, and Daniel.
1: Daniel, he sounds like the the. – let's just call him the fourth musketeer and leave it at that. Just call him um,
0: Marky Dags.
1: <laughs> Marky D. Um, like – and y- y- I know a coach will try and win a game regardless of what the front office want to do, but you could say – you could quite forgive them just tossing that game by giving Giddy and Poku reps but it's probably also good for those younger players to go...
0: Just Poku. Just get Poku to the whole bricks. Yeah, he's...
1: I, I don't know if you've watched many OKC games, but...
0: I I have, I've, watched, I've watched the end of a few OKC games. I saw the end of the, the Bucks game the other week uh, and a few other bits and pieces. And, and they play some lovely stuff, but um, I'm, I'm not sure Poku... I'm not sure who Poku was working for, but I'm not entirely convinced it's Mark Dageno.
1: He He's... I think he's way better than he was... He's only been in the league for two years. Like he sort of gets treated, what was the guy that was, you know, four years away from being four years away? Bruno
0: Caboclo. I don't he was two years yeah, away from I being two years away.
1: I don't think he's that. He's definitely showing signs of improvement and he's still like, like this is people were talking about, um, you, you know, trading like, you know, who who would try and winkle Shea out of OKC, which I just don't think Presty's going to do. I don't think Presty's that dumb, um, but they were like, you know, the Knicks could offer every draft pick and young player for Shea. And it's like, but which players would you want on um, on the Knicks? Like, their theoretical good young players that are developing are all a year older than Shea. <laughs> you know, they're all – they're not that super young. It's not like they're 19 and they've got endless development in it. They're all sort of a little bit older than what you would think. And Shea's an all-NBA player – now, probably. Yep. <laughs> so, wouldn't you just, like, go, well, we've got the All-NBA player. Chet's going to come back next year. We're not that – like, even their losses, they're-, they're losing games. Like, they lost to the Celtics really late. Yeah, the Celtics had to put the fucking hammer down to win that game. I-, I think this is the perfect um spot for OKC, getting hard reps, letting Shea cook and win games, and then – you know next year they'll probably assess which of those young guys they think are going to turn into role players and then who to bundle with some picks to to get a couple of solid backup you know the Aaron Gordons of the world or um you know even your Otto Porters you know that those solid professional guys that can come in and give you good good minutes where you can let your star Players do their thing, and you're not going to turn the ball over or, or make mistakes um, that will cost you those games late late in the in the piece.
0: Yeah, I was, a lot of those um, those sort of bottom of the league teams that we expected to be tankerific. A lot of them are at least at this stage of the season having a crack. They're not. There aren't too many teams you can actually look like they've put the queue in the rack already. Um, maybe the Rockets. <laughs> But, you know, OKC okay, are 500 uh, ish, aren't they? They were like 6 and 8 or 6 and 7, something like that. Uh, Orlando have, have racked a couple of really impressive wins. You, Detroit is a little bit below 500 as well. So there's um, those sorts of teams that you would expect to. I mean, if you look at the bottom of the West, it's a whole bunch of teams that probably shouldn't be there. A lot of them mine. <laughs>
1: well,. You know, the, the Spurs have sort of fallen back to earth, and I think that's because they've had some injuries and their depth is about as shallow as a wading pool. Yeah, and they um, ran into
0: of the, the Kang's bow sword today. But that that
1: 5-11 to 11, uh, gauntlet in the West is going to be really fucking hard work. Like, I, I guess, like, even four, it's 10 wins down to 8 wins at 8, Nine, nine wins at eight, at nine. Like the Clippers have nine wins and they're at ninth and the Trailblazers have ten wins and they're at, at, at first. Admittedly, the losses are different. But, man, it's, you wouldn't want to have, you know, a, a tweet calf here or a shoulder injury there because three or four games could completely change your
0: season. Um, yeah, it does feel like that closeness is more of a reflection of mediocrity rather than parity. And I know there's there's really only a semantic difference between parody and mediocrity, but uh, all the teams that we – the teams that are playing really well, that are getting the most wins, are not necessarily playing stupendously pretty basketball.
1: No, but I think it's it's also like what you said, is that the teams that we expected just to hand wins over, like, you know, someone asking for Thanksgiving candy – oh, no, sorry, (laughs) Halloween candy – you know, your Jazzers and your Kings and your Timberwolves and your and your Spurs, like, they're not just handing them over. Like, they're fighting as hard as they possibly can to try and get wins. So, even in the games where you just rock up expecting to – like, the Spurs always, you know, won 50 games because they would go and play the, you know, the Rockets or the, the Kings of the world and they would always just win those games easily and – I just don't think the league's sort of set up that way. There's just too many good players and too many young players that are like, well, fuck you, I've got, you know, I want to prove myself in this league and I'm, you know, I'm not going to, um, you know, I'm not just going to be, be a crappy player. Like even the Rockets, they're the sort of side that I would expect to have a whole bunch of selfish players just chucking it everywhere. And even they're playing with a bit of teamwork and a bit of, you know, showing signs of a team that will grow well together. Like, they're extremely raw, but it they're not just, you know, a whole bunch of chuckers that you expect all of them to be on a different side in, in one year. I don't know. It's just, it, it just seems like there's less, I guess, only the Hornets. The Hornets are the only side that I really feel like.
0: Yeah, they're, they're the one they're, team that really feel like they've got – everyone is, play, is trying to get traded and everyone has given up. And we kind of knew this would kind of be a weird who cares year with their coaching search and everything else that's happened on there. But yeah. it's, I reckon there's a couple of factors that, that are brought into that. I mean, firstly, I think the general level of talent, even in the worst teams, is probably a little bit higher. For sure. Uh, than it was, you say, 10 years ago when the, when the Spurs were, you know, you know, just institutional structure and wisdom would get you your 50 wins. The other thing is that they have peeled some of the – Four, four games in five nights out of the league, and that means that you're not going to see as many good teams who just can't be fucked playing. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's those sorts of nights where you get you pick up cheap wins against teams that would otherwise be competitive against you, but are just fucked. Uh, so as a result, you're more likely to get everybody's best shot uh, every time you play them.
1: I was just looking at the at the the league, like the streaks and. It's only the Celtics that have any streak in any direction. And the Cavs have had five losses. Everything else is like 1-1, loss 2, 1-2, two, loss 3, y- you know, and that's really what's interesting. Like,
0: Haven't the Kings just won five in a row? Thank you, D-Generation.
1: Yeah, the Kings have won five. So the Kings and the Celtics are probably your hottest teams at the moment. Pelicans have won three, which is – yeah. Which is impressive, on.
0: And while the Dubs have lost eight on the, eight in a row on the road, they've obviously been home once or twice in yeah. the in the interim. Yeah, that's just a weird stat:
1: six and one at home, zero and eight on the road. I guess Clay just feels a little bit more comfortable at home. I don't know what they're going to.
0: Yeah, do. I don't. I don't really get that. Oh. I don't really. I don't really understand what the fuck's going on there. I suspect it's more the um, the bit part players who who don't feel as comfortable away.
1: Does trading like, like- They can't trade Clay, can they? Like, just the vibes would be really bad.
0: The problem is that the the, those guys are worth more to the team they're on. It's like Draymond. We always wondered about, well, what's Draymond's value? Well, Draymond's value is more to the Dubs than it is to anyone else. Apart from a team at the bottom of one conference that will overpay just because they won't have a chance to get that kind of player through through the door any other way.
1: Well, like the the Pacers have been like one of those teams that are supposed to draw, you know, get rid of everyone and and tank. Well. They're over five hundred. They're sixth in the East. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking, like, you know, does my does the does the Turner healed package change Golden State? And I think it actually that package would change Golden State's trajectory a lot more than it would change the Lakers because those two guys would fit in perfectly again around Draymond and Steph, but. Do the Pacers really wanna? Do they want to tank from sixth in the East? I don't know. Maybe, maybe they don't. Like the the Pacers have not been an organisation. Like they've sort of been the Sydney Swans of the NBA. You know, we, we're quite happy to finish five, six, seven, eight every year and grind. You know, grind it out into a, the occasional conference finals or grand final. Then, then. Um, You know, absolutely bottom out. The Pacers have never really done that. So, are they just going to give those two guys up for nothing? Probably not. And how much of a chip is Wiseman and Kaminga at the moment?
0: They're almost like the reverse of Clay and Dre, in that they could possibly, those two kids could possibly be more useful to a team that isn't the Dubs because the Dubs need very, very specific, semi experienced help that obviously these young lads aren't going to be able to provide. So, it might be that Wiseman and and Kaminga are actually worth more to to other teams proportionally than uh, than Clay and Dreya, but I don't think any. I don't think that other team would give them overvalue for them.
1: W- Wiseman and Kaminga are like your classic old school rookies, uh, like that. What you expect a rookie to be yeah. really raw, and you need to give them lots of reps to make mistakes. They're not like your. Uh, Scotty Barnes or
0: your Ben Matherins or no, they're, they're more of um, your Jalen Greens and your Jalen Suggs and your Jalen Jalen's and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and in fact, <laughs> Kaminga marks himself up against Jalen Green anyway because they were kind, of, they were both in the um, the G League night together. So um, yeah. that's kind of the level where Kaminga is. He yeah, just doesn't get thirty five minutes in the greenest of green lights to shoot all the time.
1: And um, <laughs> like maybe Golden State should. Maybe they should tank. They've got their pick this year. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Wasting a year so, of
0: Steph's prime. There's the, a the, lot of the, that yarn. The, There's a lot of wasting wasting a year of LeBron and wasting a year of Steph. I'm like, well, the way the way these leagues go, you know, taking a year off and sitting on your ass and um and immersing yourself in growth, you know, growth hormones. Um and, <laughs> and, uh, fetal calf serum cell culture medium. Uh could probably add two more years onto the back of your of your career. I
1: I will not be pushed off this off this stance that the funniest thing will be the Lakers getting the number one pick and having to give it to the Pelicans. I just I I so much want that to, or even the number two pick. The number two pick would be just as funny. But one of those top two guys going to the Pelicans while while the Lakers basically, you know, Crap in their bed on the corner would just be so funny. Um, but I'm easily amused. So
0: yes, you should be worry uh, about your own team, Devin, Who's probably going to be oh. sold to some billionaire who'll crash it into a tree for the lulls. Yeah, Yeah, they
1: reckon Jay, Jay Crowder is pretty close to being traded, maybe to the Bucks. So, uh that's good. We could do with some something for Jay Crowder instead of. Nothing, which is you know, he's just sitting at home. Um, yeah, what are you going to get for j- what are you going
0: to get for Jay Crowder? You reckon?
1: <sighs> well, you don't want picks because we don't know how to use picks.
0: And if so, they're the Bucks picks, they're going to be like 29th.
1: I don't think the Bucks picks. I, I don't know what would they get. Grace and Allen back,
0: maybe. <laughs> know, oh, yeah, you you deserve some Grace and Allen. They might get Joe Ingles. <laughs>
1: I might catch it look Joe Ingalls would be awesome um the the word out of the Bucks though is that he's just like even injured even completely injured the, the coaching staff and the playing group are like you will not trade this guy like he is he's, he's going to have a Haslam like career if he wants it he just seems to to yeah whether it's the 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 vibes or the you know the Australian I'm you know I'm gonna I'm gonna basically rip you and new- you <laughs> rip you a new one no matter who you are, sort or of I'm, attitude. I'm going to keep
0: you on the level. I'm going to stop you from getting a massive fucking head.
1: Yeah, but everywhere he goes, like even in Portland, you know, the the guys at Portland liked him just from the conversations they had from him when he wasn't even there rehabbing. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. Who else do the Bucks have that they could trade? Connington? There's no way they'd, they'd trade Connington. Would it for, need to be a big for a big? No, nah, I just think it'd have to be a contract match.
0: Yeah. What kind of money is uncrowded around? I mean, fuck, who cares? We're talking about trades trades of players who aren't even relevant.
1: Well, I think the Suns play is probably, and probably should be because they don't care about their picks, is wait and see whether they can have a crack at Durant. You know, can you trade every pick and pick swap to get Durant into that um, uh, Cam Johnson spot? And just have a crack for one year while you've still got a, pro- a semi-productive Chris Paul, and it f- that's. Probably- it feels like
0: they had their chance at that, and they didn't. They didn't land the plane. Well, I mean, K- KD man. is I- verbaling the the front office again by saying, you know, how do you expect us to win when you've got? And he literally named the other people on his team, which is, <laughs> the other starters, which felt, you know, a little bit unnecessarily Rough. brutal. But, you know, having said that, they played a really good game. They went into Portland and they beat Portland. Um, did Simmons play today? Played well today. He, Th- he was a couple of assists shy of, of a triple-double, 12-12 and seven, I think. Um, six from six from the field. Uh, sank a couple of – they started Hacker <laughs> Ben late on. And 13, he, seven, sunk, he sunk um, a three or four, I think, from the line. Um, or or he, he sank a few that, that made it – uh, you know, but he, he got he got fouled out on a bullshit call. Well, Nurkic actually elbowed him in the head, but uh, so it got a little bit hairy right at the end. But uh, no, he had, he had a good game and he was getting a lot of buzz for saying, Oh, you know, Ben Simmons actually looks like he's back. And Katie had some very positive things to say in the, in the um, in the presser. So it's, um, that's the kind of thing that uh, will lead to uh, will lead to good things for it. But he did actually look like he knew what he, he had a better rhythm on, def- on defense and he was doing that, um. He was sort of the hockey assist guy. He was slipping balls to KD to slip other guys in. So there was lots of um, assistive assists the, kind of stuff going on.
1: Yeah, the, the theoretical thing of Simmons, right, is you put Harris and, and Mills and KD out there with him.
0: And Harris isn't looking good at the moment. He's he's just not yeah. – I mean, he's he, he's coming back but, off but a significant injury, thing about but he's, he's looking clayish.
1: The, 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 this is the thing about big injuries, right, and this is the same thing for clay is like – You just don't come back instantly. Like some people do, but it's just not the norm. It takes you time to get your. Like, I I had a back injury maybe a decade ago. And even. Just when you had a
0: few ribs taken out so you could marilyn answer yourself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, like, even anything that puts stress on my lower back, I'm just, like, mentally, I'm just so wary. So wary. And it's and this is
0: wh- why you're so so irritated by having to carry this podcast every
1: week. <laughs> <laughs> um and that's why like that, that story about Clay not wanting to play pickup and the the story about Simmons like going, Yeah, I'm I'm not where I was and like I'm doing all the rehab and doing all the training, but the body's just taking a little while to respond the way that I want it to. Um like if i uh, i don't know if i was a front office i'd be i'd be trying to get simmons now like when he's at his absolute you know lowest value and and hope that he well not hope but the bank on that his body is just going to improve over time as he gets more reps and more you know more of that game sort of fitness
0: i actually think um, simmons is in a good spot for his psychological rehab even though it is a complete clown show outside the building having mm. Patty Mills and having a generally very supportive superstar like KD, who, wa- who sees the value in him and clearly still wants to get him involved. And even uh, our mate Kyrie who um, seems to be a good teammate, <laughs> even if he is uh, extremely confused about uh, geopolitical and various other and, factors. And
1: I have, I have to say is getting like some of the media – just fucking giving him a free pass and saying, oh, you know, he's done the work. It's like, fuck off, man. There's there's going to be hundreds of thousands of people that are going to get abused because of his stance, Yeah, you know, that that are just going to cop shit, low-level, maybe even high-level shit. Well, there's for threats long- on fucking
0: synagogues and shit like that, but obviously it's impossible to draw a line directly between that. The only, the only. Thing, I mean, you can say, well, the the owner says says that it's all right. and Adam Silver says that it's all right. And all these people have got a vested interest. The one person who doesn't have a vested interest is the dude from the friggin', um Anti Defamation League. They're All the people who pull, who basically handed back the the donation and said yeah. we don't fucking want your money. And he seems to think. This guy seems to think. Look, I, I think he genuinely realizes now. Oh fuck! I see what I see. What this has actually done. Um, now, <laughs> no, I, d- I, I just think- I, all the rest of it, I, I think, would be disingenuous. But i i don't see I don't see the business plan for him to to just join in with the lie. So no. I feel like he's not going to actually. There was never a thing whereby he was going to get rubbed out of the league for. Oh no, for and and t- doing and something
1: like, like this. So I, I d- might be cynical, but I think all of the all of the signals and all of the rehabilitation have been totally about him realising that he was Losing his actually money. not going to get paid.
0: No, we, we can't tell that from the tweets that you've put on the your account. This just, give me my, <laughs> for that. The, guy, the guy gets thrown out of the um, the poker game in uh, lock stock. Give me my, my money! Give me my, my money!
1: Blankers! Bankers <laughs> Yes. Yeah, well, that's I strongly believe that. So
0: anyway, he's um he's going to be playing mm. on a game. Uh, back, he's going to be back on the court uh, Monday our time. Um, mm. in, in only the second most ethically dubious game to be played <laughs> on Monday our time, with the uh, kickoff of whatever that fucking soccer jamboree is over in <laughs> Qatar.
1: I did notice that uh, M- Mr. Beckham managed to um. You know, get his PR jacket out,
0: and <laughs> it's gross. I'm, I'm, I'm not boycotting it, but I'm not like normally for a World Cup.
1: Enthu- not you're not enthusiastic. Well,
0: no. I'll, well, normally for a World Cup it happens in over you know overnight, I would I would dodge all social media until I've had a chance to watch all the games back and all that sort of stuff. I don't give a fuck. I'm probably only going to watch highlights of most of the games. I'll probably just you know flick on Twitter and, and see what see the goal go in or. I just, I just can't be fucked. I'll consume it entirely through, um, you know, people's takes and podcasts. And I might even just not listen to the two minutes of that shit anyway. This is, this is the first World Cup that's actually going to be happening during peak sports seasons, at least in in North America for all the other sports are are still in the middle of their seasons because normally it's in, it's in the European and North American summer. So there's nothing else on this World Cup has competition. So I suspect this will be the, the biggest failure of a World Cup. Um, in He'll have the lowest ratings and, and all those sorts of things, but in the big uh, American market, certainly, which is a big problem given that they, the next tournament is, is actually in, in the States. <sighs> Fuck em.
1: Yep. Yeah. It's like t- too bad, so sad. You're like, what do you expect? Like, it, it's, it's funny how I was thinking about the Olympics, right, the Olympics coming to Brisbane and how – Getting the Olympics used to be this massive deal and essentially Brisbane went, uh, yeah, 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 we'll 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 give it a crack. Sure. You know, we haven't got anything else on that week. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, we can probably give you the gabba.
0: It's turning to the Commonwealth Games. It's nobody wants to put like there'll be like one one person who puts their hand up. Yeah, it's it's it and like you can
1: almost in real time see the modern Olympics dying and i'm sort of uh, in one in one case i actually think it's a good thing because i think it's a hugely corrupt organization and and all of that but there's still bits of the olympics that i really like and really like you could be talking about twitter <laughs> <laughs> well
0: that's true <laughs> it's too. like this is really corrupt and, and and rancid and rotten at its core it's underpinned by dodgy finance and money from saudi arabia and all this sort of shit but there's bets about this that i'm i'm definitely going to admit and what it used to um, stand for really mattered
1: like the last olympics i've just got this this sort of image burnt into my brain of uh, during the marathon of kipchoge running in this big group in the first 10k and it was like, it was like, for all these guys that you know, uh, they're all elite runners, right? You don't you don't run a marathon in an Olympics without being an elite runner. But Kipchoge is just such a such a level above that they were all just so stoked to be running in an, in a marathon with Kipchoge, and they were running at a pace that Kipchoge was. It was basically like a park run. You know, he's just cruising around and he's chatting to people and laughing and having a good time. And then 10Ks later, half of those people are falling on the pavement door, you know, literally collapsing in the heat because they can't maintain the pace. And then he gets to the 30K mark and goes, right, now it's time for me to actually race and just burns off the rest of the field. And it's just like, you probably didn't have to be that sort of athlete. You, you could have been, you know- I'm here to win a you know not many people have won back-to-back marathons it's it's not an easy thing to do. He he didn't have to do that sort of um meet and greet social aspect of the race at the start but it was just such a nice moment and it's just hard to separate that from you know the Olympic organizing committee and the the fact that it bankrupts cities for many, many years to come, and
0: yeah, hurt up know. the homeless and turf them out, and you know all that kind Yeah, of shit. just rancid shit like that, and it's just like,
1: how do you enjoy that moment, but not sort of, yeah, uh, like you know, how how do you try and enjoy that moment without shitting on the whole enterprise? Is is something that I still haven't managed to reconcile in my head,
0: and you can't.
1: No because the the at idea least-
0: that, that sport isn't politics sport is politics sport is global economics it's it, on that level it's it's not about it's not about the, the the sporting stories it's about how much you know how much money and social capital and and soft power you can project with this sort of bullshit
1: at least um this world cup we're not seeing like we're seeing more and more teams going well we're not just going to go and play you know
0: even <laughs> after the pissant we, letter that that Johnny Infantino, Johnny Baby sent out saying, you know, don't make make it political. Sports aren't political. It's like, fuck off. Um, Everyone is basically set up. And and it was nice to see the Australian team at the absolute forefront of that. One of the first teams to actually put out a video saying, basically, basic basic human rights are basic and human. Maybe you should have them.
1: Um, Yeah. And with with does one of the. Is it the Netherlands that are that changed their strip as uh, a the sort of protest? The Danes have gone very – uh,
0: yeah, they went full out. I mean, the, the, They're sponsored by Hummel, which is the Danish um, sportswear company. And, they, and Hummel actually took their, their own logos off the shirts and they sublimated all the logos so that they're almost impossible to see. So it's almost like just a red shirt. And they wanted to wear, you know, basically shirts that said, you know, human, human rights are universal or something as a as a warm-up shirt. And FIFA said, no, that's too political. And it's like, okay. how can it be pol- – yeah, anyway –
1: yeah, it, it, it's, it's basically-
0: luck. I think what's happened is that the previous FIFA regime have committed them to doing this thing, and now they have to go through with the bit or they lose all the money. So now they just have to go along with the fucking charade of pretending that this mm-hmm. is a good thing, even though nobody at FIFA can think this is this is an appropriate thing to be doing. And they know they're going to take a bath on it, and they fucking deserve to.
1: Yep. Um, <laughs> any other geopolitical sports takes we should cover before we go and talk some tunes?
0: Um, I don't have anywhere to go from that. You've just put me run me down a fucking cul de sac.
1: Look, it, it, I'm really enjoying I'm just, the NBA. M- I'm really enjoying the NBA this year. It well, was I'm completely- not because all my
0: teams are shit <laughs> and I'm <laughs> losing by ten points, ten wins behind.
1: I just, I just find it a little bit more. Like, who would, who would you say right now is the favorite to win the championship?
0: I don't know. I think I think you'd have you'd end like, up with you'd end up with um, Boston the, or Milwaukee, the, but it ends up being I, kind I of by the, default because they have the least bad dumb shit going on. The
1: Bucks, but Middleton's still not back. Yeah, so you're groaning. You know, on a,
0: they're going to be, be even better when when Middleton and Holiday get back.
1: And then the West is like
0: the West is a fucking <laughs> mess. It's a disaster. <laughs> just like, it's like the, the top
1: seven teams all have massive, massive questions. Um, and the one team we thought would be, like, just solid as and, and would work, sh- you know, might be middle of the pack but would be there, there or thereabouts come finals time is fucking way out of the 10, mm. let, alone the, the, let alone being a top six team. Like, they're, how many games back are they from? Four games back of the play-in, you know, from being in a play-in spot. Like that's not insurmountable, but that, that's that's a long that's, way from being assured that's of, a, of a, a lot
0: of teams, a lot of space. And while there are a couple yeah. of teams above, you know, there might be four or five teams above them that you might think, maybe not even four or five, maybe just two, th- two or three teams above them. That you would think, okay, they're not going to they're not going to hack the pace; they're going to drop off. That's still not getting them a hell of a lot further up the totem pole, is it?
1: But you even look at the Jazz, right? If the Jazz do decide that they think they have something sustainable going forward, they have a lot of draft picks to trade. <laughs> they could actually go out and get someone from the Spurs or someone from the Hornets if they want to improve their team. Like that, Gordon Hayward? That team, that team could get a lot better than what it is talent-wise.
0: Well, and they it could prove- get a bit better. I think the problem is that, I yeah. think as, as we kind of talked about, the, the, the Jazz are going through a very expensive and elaborate process of rebuilding the exact team that they had before they started yeah. to tear it all down again because the ceiling will be about the same. They'll get a a pretty good but not superstar guard and a pretty good but not superstar big, and they'll build another another team that ends up with a ceiling of, of you know, conference semifinals just the way that they did with the, 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 the Donovan-Rudy Jazz.
1: Yeah. Yep, that's probably right. Yeah. Anyway, I, I still, I still think, I, I still like the Nuggets in the West. I, I still think that they're You're just pe- kind of ticking like,
0: along, aren't they?
1: Yeah. And like Murray's had flashes that he's looked good, and Porter's had good, you know, b- b- games where his defense, you know, you can see that he's actually trying. Um, the only thing is, I really wish they'd gotten someone better in that DeAndre Jordan spot, like. um, Who's the Aussie guy playing for the Suns? Uh, Jock, Jock Landale. Landale. Yeah. Like, you know, they could have easily got Jock Landale for the price that they paid for Jordan.
0: I don't think anybody realised what kind of value Jock Landale was going to provide. Yeah, Having said no, that, but, there is, there's, but a, know- there's another big old Australian hanging around in the NBL just waiting for the season to be over so he can he can go and rejoin the NBA.
1: Yeah. I, d- I just think the thing is with Jordan, right, you know exactly what you're getting. You, you're not going to get a surprise from a DeAndre Jordan you might get one from a Jock Landau. and it was just a little bit conservative of a of a a, a signing for the backup for Jokic. Um, anyway, that's you know it's on the margins. It, but in the end, if if they win, it won't be because fucking DeAndre Jordan gives them any minutes because Jokic will be playing thirty eight minutes a, a, a game in the finals, and Jordan won't see the floor. So they didn't
0: re-sign Demarcus Cousins, did they? No,
1: I, th- I think that the vibes with that that was the that was the sort of feeling because I follow a few of the Nuggets Beats guys and they're like, yes, Cousins is a much better player than Jordan. The vibes of Jordan is much better for the locker room.
0: Oh yeah, than, you could believe that. And for the role Cousins. he was getting, yeah, that would make yeah. sense. It's just I thought that you know, Demarcus Cousins is only ever going to work with you know that was one one of the few coaches that he's actually engaged reasonably well with.
1: Yeah, I think everything revolves on how do you vibe with jo- Jokic. Yeah. Um, Do you like horses? But, yeah, and again, that's why that's like Landale would be a perfect fit there. Um, anyway, or Baines, or Baines, yeah, Baines will fit in really well there. Like, like, like I've said, for, for, like I think any Australian would work in really well with the culture that they've got built there. That's why I've always said Exham would be awesome there because he's the sort of guy that can cut. You know, he's a really good cutter, but then he can also. That's just be from a the really bad cutter, about-
0: which is the one that the World Cup is in.
1: <laughs> should, should we end on that zinger? Is that, is that your best work?
0: If that's a zinger, that, that's that's a, a pathetic wet fart of a zinger.
1: I'd say follow the, the dog. That's the Twitter sort of zinger for, for, you get for, at like
0: two in the morning from a dodgy drive through KFC. <laughs> <laughs> looks like it's been I, sat on.
1: I, I cooked some onion rings the other day and they're fucking Ooh awesome. Ooh la la, like, we're
0: fucking chef. Good on you, Jamie fucking Oliver.
1: I, I, I was like, man, I really like onion rings. Onion rings are awesome. And then, so we were driving up the coast, and the kids and Vanessa wanted fast food because they were hungry. And I was like, all right, we'll get some Hungry Jacks. And I was like, oh, Hungry Jacks do onion rings. Oh, I feel like some more oh, onion rings. Regrets. Oh, dear. Regrets. Oh, dear. No, have <laughs> well, one of those. And I'm no. like, yeah, they're, they're not the onion rings you're cooking at home, dude. That is not the same food group. No,
0: <laughs> we are not the same. <laughs> it,
1: was like, it was like a homeopathic onion ring, let's yeah. put it that way. All right. Shall we come back and talk some tunes, Doc?
0: We can do that. This was uh, the Bulls podcast. Podcast? The podcast is uh, Poznansky and Mike Scher's podcast. That's different to this one because they talk about baseball and we
1: don't. We talk. do not.
0: And we also don't talk anymore after this point here. Good night. <laughs> See you. Thank you for having me. Dismount. Dismount like that guy (laughs) who head-butted the fucking vaulting horse on those Wild Wilder sports promos.